Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to God for all that He's done and all that He does for us and for the riches that He's blessed us with uh, and the spiritual blessings uh, in the heavenly places. God is good. Uh, it's good to see you here, both those who are present and those uh, online. We praise God for your attendance uh, this, this evening. Let's go to God, please, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Hallowed be your great and amazing name. Thank you for Jesus, your darling Son, in whom you so willingly sent to die for us, that we might live. Thank you for your day-to-day blessings that you bestow upon us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for our ability to live and to move and have our very being. Thank you for watching over this world, Lord God. Thank you for saving souls that are lost and for being patient with us and giving us yet another day to turn our lives around. Thank you, Lord God, for your amazing grace. So in these things we do pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Be that will. Amen. Please turn to Second Peter chapter 2. We are, we are looking still um, at the Old Testament and trying uh, to discover that law of morality or the patriarchal law that God has given to us. And we're going to continue to grab these nuggets that God is giving us to show us that, that not only was there a law, but also that, that, you know, they knew the law and they followed it. They practiced it. Uh, and I want to look at Second Peter chapter 2 beginning uh, there, verse 4. God, if, for if God did not spare the, angel, the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Now, the question is, when he, when he says he's a herald or a preacher of righteousness, if he didn't preach the law of Moses, what was he preaching? Right? He's preaching something, and people were listening to the things that he spoke. And so, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Go back to Sodom, Genesis chapter 18. God has clearly delivered his message to humanity. And humanity from uh, the very beginning has always had the choice, the option to abide by the command of God or to disobey the command and the will of God. Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. And the Lord said, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down and now and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me. And if not, I will know. All right. Terrible sin and exceedingly grave sin. Did they know that they were committing sin? Or do you think that God just let them go their own way and they didn't know? And all of a sudden God says, hey, this is a sin. It's not just a sin. It's exceedingly grave sin. No, obviously they knew because we're talking about God who is a God of justice. He's a just God and a merciful God. And justice means that God has given us a law. And the law that he's given to us, uh, it is up to us to abide by that law. Genesis 13. I want to show you what else they did though. It wasn't just uh, the sin of selling Gomorrah, the sin of homosexuality and lesbianism. It wasn't just that. Okay. Genesis 13 and verse 10. Uh, and Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, 
This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. And so, alright, so, so Lot looks over and he sees, turn, turn please to Ezekiel chapter 16. He sees this beautiful land and, and it's like the, like the land of, of the garden of Eden, if you will. I mean, it was a beautiful, plush place. What was their sin? Well, what did God tell them that they were supposed to do? That we don't have it written, but we know God told them. Listen to Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease. But she did not help the poor and needy. Thus, they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. And so it wasn't just uh, the fact that they were uh, committing the gross immorality and sin, but it was also the other sin was that they didn't help the poor. They were not uh, people who would share their resources with those who needed help. That was the other sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. Look over, if you will, at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, in, in Hebrews, we look at Esau. So Esau committed a great sin. But here's the question. Where do you find the law written? You don't find it written about the birthright. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. The Bible says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his birth, his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessings, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. And so here, this, this man committed a sin of selling his birthright. Well, why would, why would God call that a sin if there is no law? Right? Remembering our lesson from last week, without, where there's no law, there's no violation. Obviously there was and there is a law. What about uh, Enoch? Chapter 11. Hebrews 11 and verse 15. Verse 5, rather. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Now, when you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 6, the question is, if Enoch was pleasing to God, by what standard or rule did God use to declare Enoch to be pleasing and the rest of the world not, right? Genesis 6 and verse 5, uh, the Bible says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Based on what law? Genesis 8 and verse 21. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. This is after Noah comes out of the ark. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. So for for someone to say that uh, there was no law would make God seem unjust. In fact, it would make God unjust, because God is just, if you will, making up rules as he goes, and God doesn't do that. God would never do that. Genesis chapter 5, please, in verse 19. Genesis 5 and verse 19. The Bible says, And Lamech took to himself two wives. 
the name of the one Ada and the name of the other Zila. And Ada gave birth to Jabel. I'm in the wrong place. I'm like, this is, this is last week. <laughs> At least I caught it, right? Genesis 5. Oh, that's an old age moment there. Alright. <laughs> Verse 19. Then Jared lived 800 years after he became the father of Enoch and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. And Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years, and after he became the father of Methuselah and had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Again, what was it that made Enoch so special? What did Enoch do that no one else did? Right? That was right in the eyes of God. That was perfect in the eyes of God. That was according to the law of God. Look at Genesis 6 and verse 8. Noah as well. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Again, I come back to by what standard, by what law did God determine that Noah was a man who was favorable and the rest were not. See, God is not a God of partiality. You know, so all mankind had this law uh, that was has been written and recorded uh, in the sense it was recorded for them. It was in their minds. They understood it. God, in a patriarchal dispensation, spoke to the heads of the households. And these are men from all over the place that he spoke to. I'll show you more of that as we continue on. Um, let's look, if you will, over at um, Job chapter 1. Job was a man who was um, declared by God as being uniquely different in that he was a man who was specially chosen by God because of what he did. Job 1 and verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was a was blameless, upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. Now, if no one, if Job didn't know what evil was, then how did he turn away from it? He had to know what evil was. To be a man that was blameless and upright, fearing God and turning away from evil, he had to know the difference between righteousness and wickedness, between evil and good. He had to know it. How did he know it? God told them. God told them. And so they had this law that goes on. And what's important about this law that I want us to get is this law, even though we're looking a lot in the book of Genesis, I'm setting up a foundation because you're going to find this law all the way through the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. You'll see, uh, Lord willing, next week on on that one. All right, Job chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Again, there was, I wanted to get your attention, that's all. <laughs> I figured I'd get your what New Testament what I knew that would get you, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> I'll show you that next week. Uh, <laughs> again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the law, the Lord. Uh, and the Lord said to Satan, "Where have you come from?" And, and Satan answered the Lord and said, "From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it." And the Lord said to Satan, "Have you considered my servant Job?" For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Now, what would um, what would Satan have to use against man if there was no law that would cause man to sin? So he's roaming about on the earth trying to find people to tempt and to destroy and, and make them lose their souls. But if there was no law for the Gentiles, then what, what would he use? He has no ammunition at that point. You see? 
James 4 and verse 17 says, To him that knows the right thing to do and does it not, to him it is sin. And so they knew the right thing to do it, and they did the right thing, some of them, and like just like today, and some did not. Now turn to Jonah. When you look at Jonah, you go all the way back, and you look at the nation of Assyria and their wickedness and the evils that they had done. Jonah was called uh, to preach to Nineveh, and my question is, when Jonah preached to Nineveh the message of God, what exactly did Jonah tell them? It was a very simple message, right? They were supposed to repent. But does repent mean to them to turn around from following your idolatrous and wicked ways and begin to follow the law of Moses? No. That's not what repent meant to them. That is not what Jonah preached. Jonah did not preach the law of Moses to Assyria, to the Ninevites. Jonah chapter uh, 1, verse 1 and 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Again, what is this wickedness that God is speaking of? I mean, you got the law of Moses and Israel running along, but now you have Nineveh. This is like, uh, uh, you know, a few hundred years, about around 700 Actually, about 500 or so A.D. And I mean, uh, excuse me, that'd be 900 going backwards. 900, he preaches to them and um, he's talking to them. He's saying, repent, repent. Did they repent? Yeah, they repented, right? They repented. In Jonah chapter 3, I want you to look at verses 5 through uh, about verse verse 9. Verse 5, then the people of Nineveh believed in God. And they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Uh, when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose uh, from the throne, laid aside his robe uh, from him, covered himself with sackcloth, uh, and sat on the ashes. And he issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and the nobles, do not let man or beast, herd or flock, taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and let men call on God earnestly that each man may turn from his wickedness, his wicked way, and from his violence, which is in his hand. Who knows? God may relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we shall not perish. And so what they repent from, they repented of their uh, their wickedness in the sense of the violence they had at their hands and they repented and turned their lives back around to God. And so... Uh, Jonah comes and he preaches to Assyria, this powerful nation, and uh, uh, they repented, but not to the law of Moses, not to the law of Moses, to the law of morality or this patriarchal law, if you will, or the law of foundations, whatever you want to call it. That law continues all the way through uh, the Bible in the Old Testament. And by the way, this is in the 700s. I apologize on my dates here, just thinking about that. Back to Genesis chapter 4. Also, the idea of a priesthood. So the question is, if um, when you're when you're a priest, you offer sacrifice to God, burnt offerings, etc., sin offerings. If there is no law, you don't offer sacrifices because there's no law that says to offer sacrifices. In other words, how do they know to offer sacrifices to God? How would they even know that unless God told them, right, and put it within? them in some way. So the heads of the households became, if you will, in essence, priests for their households. Beginning in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3. So it came about in the course 
of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. So the idea and the thought of some people is, well, you know, they both did their best and then God chose one over the other. That's not what happened. <laughs> they, they, God said, this is what you're supposed to do. And one, Cain chose not to do that. It's really simple. It's, it's God made his message clear from the beginning all the way to the end regarding salvation. Okay. Also, Genesis chapter 8, look at Noah. Noah was also a priest for his family in verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Why didn't he use uh, some of the clean? You know, well, we don't have that many clean. And, you know, we got, we got some unclean. Why don't we just mix them up a little bit? Because he knew that wasn't what God wanted him to do. How did he know that? Did he just guess it? No. God put it in them. God made sure they understood his law. That message, and it may have been written, we just don't have it. You know, it may have been written for them. We don't know that. But the point is, is that they're all following in line, following these laws that God had given to them. Look at Abram, Genesis chapter 12 and verse uh, 7. Genesis 12 and verse 7. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain of the, on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent in Bethel on the west of Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed, or Abram journeyed on continuing uh, toward the Negev. So here Abram is a priest and this man shows up out of nowhere, right? You know, Jethro, Zipporah's uh, father, in Genesis chapter 18. And who was Jethro? Genesis 18 and verse 1. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent of the door in the heat of the day. And, th- I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 18. Exodus 18 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had uh, brought Israel out of Egypt. Jethro was a priest. But how was Jethro a priest? Right? Because there's this law that God gave. There's a law that God gave. Job, Job chapter 1 and verse 5. Job was a priest, wasn't he? Job was a priest for uh, his family, and he served God, and he served God well. Job 1 and verse 5. And it came about when the days of feasting had completed their cycle, that Job would sin and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually why is job offering burnt offerings unless there's a law right and there is a law genesis chapter 14 melchizedek you know about melchizedek melchizedek was a priest of god king of salem as well and that's a whole another study within itself that he's both priest and king but genesis 14 and verse 18 and melchizedek king of salem brought out bread and wine now, he was a priest of God most 
high. So Melchizedek was a priest. And as you go through the Old Testament, you'll find that there are more burnt offerings. You'll find there are drink offerings and something else. Something else. That whole idea of tithing, that's not a law of Moses thing. It predated the law of Moses. There are so many laws that we follow today in Christ that predate the law of Moses. Uh, Genesis chapter 14 and verse 20. Here it, Abram. And, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. And it wasn't just with Melchizedek. Look over at Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Here's what I want you to think about as we end this lesson tonight. That God gave Israel a law. And that law had many purposes. But the most important part of the law of Moses was so that we could watch the timeline of Jesus Christ and the scheme of redemption. I mean, that's the major reason. When you read the Bible, there's so much in the Bible that... Let me say this carefully and cautiously. It's not left out. It's purposefully intended to be not an important part. So God did not give it to us. Uh, you'll read, uh, and when you read the Kings uh, in the Chronicles, you'll find there are other things recorded in other books. But these are what's important for our salvation. And so you follow the timeline. You follow from a- uh, Adam and then Seth. And you go all the way down and you find, at the end, you find Jesus Christ. That's the point. That's the point. And we find salvation only in the Word of God. You cannot find salvation anywhere else. You can only find it in the Bible. So God gave us everything we need as a picture of how to live our lives and how to be saved and what God did to save humanity from themselves, from our own sins and because of our own sins. And along there you have things that are in the laws of the patriarchs, and then you have things in the laws of, the Mo- of Moses, the Mosaical law. And then you have the New Testament law, which is Christ. And don't forget John's dispensation in the middle somewhere between Christ and Moses. But now, Genesis chapter 28 and verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, will be God's house. And of all that thou didst give me, I will surely give a tenth to thee. Did they just make that number up? No, they didn't make it up. In fact, if you think about that that number, uh, you'll find that number repeated over and over in the Bible. In fact, you'll remember that the number ten is a good number. It's a good godly number number. And so, it's a number that comes from God. This number is repeated also in the law of Moses. A tenth. Brethren, God has given us the the way of salvation. He has granted to us the opportunity to be saved. You cannot find salvation in any other book only in the Word of God. And God has given to us what we need for salvation. In fact, even John told us that. John said of God, if He gave us everything the world's greatest libraries couldn't contain all the things that Jesus Christ did. And so let's learn God's word. Let's understand it. Let's abide by it and apply it to our lives. If you are not a Christian tonight, we invite you to become one, to surrender to God in the waters of baptism. Surrender to him and allow him to work in your life. If you are a child of God and you're struggling in your faith, if we can pray with you or pray for you, if you today desire to repent and turn your life around, today is the day, now is the acceptable time. 
of salvation. May God bless and be with each and every one of you. God bless you.